Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Well, the title for today's Deadly Secrets, Joshua 7, 10 to 13. And it's interesting that we fell on this passage today, this week. Uh, I was out in the woods picking berries with the kids last week, and these helicopters kept buzzing over, buzzing over, swooping down. I'm like, I'm just getting berries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept swooping, and we all know what they were looking for, the four missing men, the young men that are missing. And sadly, their bodies were discovered buried at a local farm, and drugs were involved, as usual, and this guy, you know, you'll know the story, these two cousins killed them and buried them 12 feet down. And they thought they could get away with it, burying them 12 feet down. Uh, pretty deep, right? But not deep enough because the cadaver dogs found them 12 feet down. Crazy, isn't it? We're going to see, though, in the book of Joshua, that we are warned by God here that we can't bury our sins. We can't hide our sins. Joshua 7 talks about the danger and the damage of deadly secrets that we have and if you weren't here the last couple weeks we've seen these amazing victories victory after victory the the Jericho opens up for the people of Israel and and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down and it's all a picture of our spiritual battles and the spiritual journey that we have it's all if you haven't been here listen, listen to the past ones because it's all about them taking a physical land as us taking a spiritual land and Joshua is a picture of Jesus it's the same word Hebrew Joshua Greek Jesus, it's all a, a picture of, of following Jesus Christ through that judgment into a, a, a new life in Christ. And, but now we're into the new land, and there's a lot of warnings for us here, a lot of warnings. And they had the, the victory after victory, but because of hidden sin, they experienced defeat. They, they experienced God's discipline. They experienced punishment. They experienced defeat. And they're saying, why, God? Why did this happen? Well, before we get into the word, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the team that's going out into the missions. We thank you for the, the story of, of, of the missions that we've heard today. We thank you for all these things. And now, Lord, we pray as we get into your word that your spirit would speak to us. We are in a spiritual battle. And we pray that your spirit would speak to us through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Joshua 7, 10 to 13. And once again, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks go on the podcast or get cds uh, in the back table they have all the cds but it's kind of flowing together but we'll pick up at verse 10 the lord said to joshua stand up what are you doing down on your face israel has sinned they have violated my covenant which i commanded them to keep they have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen they have lied they have put them with their own possessions that is why the israelites cannot stand against their enemies they turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction i will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction go consecrate the people Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This, that which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. Now, as you know, we talked about this. Achan had taken uh, 
some of the, the treasures of Jericho, which was all devoted to destruction, all devoted to the Lord. He had taken it and hidden it. He had gone against God's clear teaching, and now they were defeated. When they went to take this little city of Ai, they were defeated. You, know, you all know this story. We've been going through this, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And we talked about last week, how do we respond to God's discipline? How do we respond to when God disciplines us? And so we see here, verse 10, I'll start with verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? And he says, get up off your face, Joshua. One of the few times in scripture that we see that God tells someone to stop praying. Right? That's very unusual. Remember he told Jeremiah, don't pray for those people. They're too wicked. I'm not going to listen to you. One of the few times, and this is another time, he says to him, get up off your face. Why? Because Joshua was praying but he was really having a pity party. You ever do that? You go to God and you're supposed to be praying, but you're really like having a pity party? Or you're really trying to, you know, whine and tell God, you know, how, how he's messing things up in your life? Uh, verse 7, remember verse 7? And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stand the other side of the Jordan. You ever pray like that? Why did I ever become a Christian? My life was better before. Well, it was easier in one way. You didn't have to fight the spiritual battles, but you were, uh, we were, we were, remember Veggie Tales? We were slaves in Egypt. Remember that? You know, that's, that's what they were, slaves. And that's what we were. We were slaves to Satan and to sin and to the world. But we have these pity parties, and it's very dangerous spiritually. When any of us start down this road, and we always struggle this, don't we? But when, we, when someone starts down this road, if we don't pull out of that spiral, we crash. We spiritually crash. And I see it all the time. Someone says, why is God allowing this in my life? Why me? Everyone else has it so good. No one understands what I'm going through. And we end up mad at God. And we end up crashing spiritually. And, and there's been people, I could write a book, people that used to be part of the fellowship here years ago that went through this process. Now, we all struggle with that, don't we? We all struggle when we go through something hard. We, that's, that's where we start out, but we got to, by faith, pull out of it. But if we don't pull out of it, we crash. And there's people that, that are in horrible places today because they, couldn't, they wouldn't pull out of that. Listen, understand something. Everyone has painful trials. If you're breathing, you have a painful trial. You're either coming out of one or going into one, or God's giving you a little rest from one, right? But that, that is, that is the, the spiritual battles that we have to face. Everyone has painful trials in their life. Now, not, they're not all the same. We all have different ones, but they're all very painful. In fact, some people say, well, no one's going through what I'm going through. And I'm like, and I tell people right to the face, I say, listen, I know people going through a lot worse than you. You just don't know about it. Nobody knows about it except me. I'm the pastor. I hear about, I hear about so many of these things, right? And Kim, of course, hears it. But, but you know, they, 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 a lot of people don't share their struggles for whatever reason. You know, some do, some don't. It's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But everyone has painful trials. And the key is to recognize that and to get up and get out of our hole that we're in. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I have to struggle every day on this. Every day. And another reason he tells him to stop praying, in addition to the pity party, another reason he tells Joshua to stop praying is because the problem didn't require prayer. 
It required action. It didn't require any prayer. It required action. Israel's problem was sin. They were disobedient. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. They were disobedient. I'm going to tell, say something that's going to shock you again. Some things we don't need to pray about. There are some things that we don't need to pray about, especially when it involves disobedience to God's word. If God's word says something, we don't need to pray about it. We just have to either obey it or disobey it, right? That there's, there's nothing to pray about. This, this, now, if, it's, if we're wrestling with, God, help me obey your word, that's okay. That's a different thing. But when it's just praying about, should I do something or not, and it says clearly what to do, then there's nothing to pray about. There, I remember a guy coming to me and saying, I'm, I'm really, I fell in love with someone, and I'm really praying about what, what I should do about it. And I said, well, that's easy. You're married to someone else. <laughs> so, so Now you see where I'm going with this, right? You're already married. God already told you. Adultery is wrong. You're to stay with your wife. It's easy. You don't need to pray about that. It's, it's, it's already in God's word. You don't know, but, I, but I, I think God's leading me because he's given me this deep love for this person. He's leading me. I'm like, you're delusional. That's not God leading you. Trust me. It's a lot of other things leading you, but it's not God. All right. And, 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 and if you keep going this way, you're headed to disaster. And you know what? He did. And he did. Hit disaster. And I can tell you story after story of that. The mistake was praying about it in the first place. There was nothing to pray about. It's not, should I do it or not? No, God, help me. Give me, by your mercy and grace, help me to obey your word. That's a great prayer. All right? But if God's word says something that's wrong, then it's wrong to pray about it. You know? The only thing we can pray about is, God, help me. By your mercy and grace, listen to your word. So God says to Joshua, get up off your face. Get up off your face and get rid of the garbage that's causing the problem. Get rid of it. And this is vital because so many people, so many of us, I'm going to call all of us, right? So many of us, we want to get rid of the consequences of sin, but we don't want to get rid of the source of the consequences, right? We don't want to get rid of the sin and the source of that is the source of our pain and the source of our discipline or the source of the, the, what we're bringing on ourselves through that sin. A lot of times God doesn't have to discipline us. We, we, we're disobedient to God's word. We do something that goes against his clear teaching and we experience all this pain in our life and God's not even doing it. It's just the effect of sin. He doesn't even need to discipline us. God says don't sin, don't disobey my word because why? I don't want you to have any fun in your life. Right? God just doesn't want us to enjoy life. So that's why he has all these do's and don'ts. And he just wants us to go through life unhappy till we get to heaven we can have some fun, right? No, he tells us, he gives us his word and tells us how to live because he knows it's a lie. It's a lie. Sin is a lie. It's going to hurt us and it's going to ultimately kill us. Remember that saying I've used many times, sin promises thrills, never fulfills, and ultimately kills. Isn't that the truth? Sin promises, thrills, never fulfills, and ultimately kills. 
And that's why. And, and, and the, the, we want to get rid of the consequences. We want to get rid of the pain. We want to get rid of what it causes in our life. But so many times we don't want to get rid of the source. But that's the key, is going to the source. Going to the source and going to the sin. Verse 12, he says, That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Achan thought his sin was secret. He was premeditated. He stole from God. And he thought he could hide it from God. You ever feel like that? We feel like we can hide something from God. We wouldn't come right out and say it, but we're like, well, nothing's happening, so I must, must be okay. I must be getting away with this one, or maybe nothing's going to happen. You ever, you ever think that way? I have many, many times. Uh, but Hebrews 4.12 says this. In Hebrews 4.12, he says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's scary, isn't it? We think we can hide sin. We think there's not going to be any consequences. But whenever I think that, or whenever someone says that to me, I always think back to that movie Jumper. Remember Jumper, the movie the guy could jump from one place to the next. Somehow he could transport himself. And he was going around going into bank vaults, stealing, and doing all kinds of crazy things all over the place. Uh, and I'll never forget the, when the guy finally catches him, Morgan Freeman catches him, and he said, did you think there wouldn't be consequences? There are always consequences. And it's true. There are always consequences. Always. Don't mistake God's patience and his mercy for apathy. Don't mistake the, the mercy and the patience that, for apathy to think he doesn't care. Because Numbers 32.23 says, and, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. That's a guarantee. Remember King David? David commits adultery. He murders Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He's waiting for this baby to be born. Everything's perfect. He's got this beautiful wife. There's no husband in the way. He's got this baby coming, and then Nathan shows up. Don't mistake God's patience and his mercy. We can't hide our sin. Our sin, both known and unknown, for we're the only one who knows it, besides God, both known and unknown affect, affects a lot of people. It's like pollution. It's like secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke. Used to be no big deal. Huh? You didn't smoke. Well, now we know what secondhand smoke does, right? It hurts not just yourself, but it hurts our family, and it hurts the secondhand sin. It hurts the body of Christ. Galatians 5.9 says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And he's talking about the body of Christ. A little yeast works through. It's like a virus. A little sin left unchecked. We're, 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 you're not a Christian on your own. You're part of the body of Christ. You have a family. 
You're part of the body of Christ. And sin is a virus that affects all of us. It affects us all. And that's why we can't move forward individually, as a family, as a church, as a country. That's why we can't move forward until we clean up our act. Verse 13, Joshua 7 verse 13 says, Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, That which is devoted among you, O Israel, cannot stand... uh, That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. We cannot move forward as individuals spiritually. We can't move forward as families. We can't move forward as a church. Our country cannot move forward until we consecrate. If we're not consecrated, we are paralyzed by sin. That virus is like the limes, you know, limes, getting limes. It's it's going to keep spreading it until it paralyzes. It paralyzes. It's important to consecrate. The word consecrate means to purify. It means to sanctify. It's talking about holiness, set apart, different from the world, to become like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to become like Jesus Christ. What have we buried? What have we buried? About 25 years ago, I read an article. I never forgot it. There was, in fact, I Googled it to get more of the details to see what had happened since. There was a man on his deathbed in New Hampshire. A guy was old and dying, and he was on his deathbed, and he confessed to a crime to his, one of his daughters who went to the police after that. Ten years earlier, this man, he had helped his son commit a crime. His son fell in love with a woman and got in a fight with her husband over this woman, and he ended up fighting him and killing him. And he came to his dad and said, I just killed this guy, had a fight over this girl, and just killed this guy. So the dad went and helped him bury this man in his son's front yard. Turns out this son becomes the police chief of this town in New Hampshire. Became the chief of police. And then he also not only became the police chief, but he married this woman. She claimed desertion. She actually didn't know. It turns out she didn't even know what happened. She, She claims desertion. She gets her divorce. She marries this other guy who becomes a police chief, not knowing the whole time that her ex-husband was buried in the front yard. And so the police go and start digging. In fact, during the funeral, this, this guy, the police chief, goes to his father's funeral. He's, while they're burying his father, the policemen are out in his front yard digging, digging, looking for this body. They found the body 20 feet down. 20 feet down, they found the skeleton. Unbelievable. Many of us have skeletons, don't we? We have buried something. Some deadly secret, some deadly sin, and just like this guy in his deathbed, it's eating us up. It's just tearing us apart in some way. What is our hidden sin? Now, I'm not talking about something we've already confessed to God. 1 John 1, 9 is very clear. I'm not trying to dig up something that you've already made peace with God on. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess it, we're forgiven and we're purified. Very, very important to understand. No matter how bad it was, no matter how bad we... We've all heard our testimonies. We've had lots of baptisms. Another baptism coming up. Awesome testimonies. But we've heard the testimonies there. We're all pretty broken up, aren't we here? We're all crackpots. Broken vessels. We've all... We don't deserve mercy and grace. One little bit. Not one person here, right? But no matter how bad... How bad? You may just not know how bad we are here. <laughs> but you, you might be thinking, well, I'm really bad at people. No, no matter how bad what we've done, no matter how bad our life was before Christ, by, if we come to Christ, he will forgive us and we can keep coming. No matter how bad we messed up, we can keep coming to him. In fact, Hebrews 4, 14, and boy, I hope you have this memorized. In Hebrews 4, we already did 12 and 13, but 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Now here it goes. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've struggled with this morning, on the way here, no matter what you're struggling with in your life, we can still go to the throne of grace and find that mercy and grace, forgiveness and help. Mercy and grace, forgiveness and help. And Boy, if, I must pray mercy and grace a hundred times a day, sometimes more than that. God, mercy and grace, mercy and grace, constantly. Uh, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that we've buried. Something that we've never dealt with. Something that we're still struggling with. Something that's just tearing us apart inside. And that's what I'm talking about. Digging up and, and taking before God. And sometimes, even after confessing that to God, and this is really important, the struggle is so intense, the guilt is so strong, that in addition to confessing to God, sometimes we need to confess to another person. It breaks the power of that secret sin. There's a power in that confessing that we find a trusted brother or sister in Christ. Trusted. That friend. Maybe it's a pastor or his wife. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a Christian counselor. You just say, hey, give me a number and I'll, you, you find a, I'll give you a good Christian counselor to go talk to. And it's really important because that breaks the power of that secret sin. It also gives us accountability because a lot of times it's something we're still struggling with. We need that constant accountability. We all need it. And there's, there's just a power in that confession. In fact, that's why in James 5.16 he says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's why it's important to confess to each other many times to, to break the power of that sin. And don't be afraid of that. I, I know it's, I, there's some things I've confessed to Christian brothers. It was scary. But since confessing, the, the power has been broken in my life. Don't think this is something I can't tell anybody. If you, you, first of all, you can tell me. I won't be shocked, trust me. <laughs> but 
I can give you a good Christian counselor's name to, to go and talk to confidential. I can, if you say, well, it's this area, I can connect you with somebody in the church that will. There's people all over this church who said, if someone ever struggles in this area or is messed up in this area, send them to me because that's my area. Whatever we struggle with, it, we, can, we can break the power of it. What have we buried? Maybe we have something that belongs to God. Achan kept this treasure. Maybe we have something that belongs to God. Malachi 3, 8 to 10 talks about this. In Malachi 3, 8 to 10, he says, see if this reminds you of anything. (laughs) Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. We may be living on stolen goods. You may be living in a house that doesn't really belong to you. Maybe you got a bigger house and you should have had a smaller house, but it doesn't belong to you. You may be driving a car around that's really God's car. It should be a missionary driving that car around somewhere. You may be owning a boat, driving, you know, enjoying a boat that's really not your boat. Or you might be looking forward to retiring on stocks that really aren't your stocks. They belong to God. They belong to God. What are we keeping from God? Could be things or it could be even our life. Something in our life that we're keeping from God. Maybe God is calling us to give something up. Something that's good because he's got something even better. It doesn't have to be something bad. Something good he's calling us to give up because he has something better planned for our life. Maybe God is calling you to give up your life. Maybe you're here saying you're not a Christian yet. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. But God is calling you to give up your sin, to repent of that sin, to turn away from that past life and turn away from it, to take, to take that sin to the cross of Jesus Christ where he died in our place, where his blood was shed in our place to pay for that sin. And, and to take that to the cross and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. To surrender your life and give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what God is calling you to give up today. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, some very, a very convicting couple of verses talking about this. Verse 34 in Mark 8, he says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Are you willing to give up? Give your life to Jesus Christ to gain so much more, to gain eternity. And not only eternity, but to gain a life here that has purpose, that has meaning, 
that has joy, that has peace, in the midst of any trial, in the midst of any pain, that still has peace and joy and purpose. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? John 3.16, I always close with this one, as you know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning during this time of prayer? Maybe he's calling you to give up your life, to give your life to him so that he can give it back to you in an an amazing new way. A new life here on earth and a life forever with him someday in heaven. Are you willing to give up sin and the lies that never fulfill and always kill? Are you willing to give them up for Jesus and for a real life? The life you were always meant to live. You can have that life starting this second by putting your faith in Jesus. Right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, wherever you are, you can pray a prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin of everything I've done that goes against your word and your purpose for my life. Please forgive me. Make me a new person. I'm putting my faith In Jesus Christ. My faith in his death on that cross in my place. My faith in his resurrection from the dead. I give you my life, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, whatever sins you've buried are gone. Whatever burden that you've been carrying around on your back is gone. And you don't ever have to take it up again because it's under the cross of Jesus Christ. And the spirit of Jesus is now living in you. And he's going to change your ways and he's going to change your life in ways you never dreamed possible. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've put your faith in Jesus and given your life to him. 
you could tell me on the way out. You could fill out the card. You could tell a family member, friends. Let somebody know. Text, call, call me, text me, email. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you. We're going to be excited and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What's holding us back? Let this be the day. That we break free. Let's let July 16th 2017 be the day we stop believing the lies we stop living in those lies that we confess to God and and if it needed we've committed to confessing to someone else and we're going to live free We're going to live the life that God created us to live. That he wants us to live as our Heavenly Father. The life he gave his son Jesus to die for so that we could live. Father, I pray that we would not just walk out of here this morning and bury it again. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. That whatever it takes, each of us will live free in Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.